Welcome to Two to Tanagra, the podcast series where two regular guys from opposite sides of the pond seek to explore the Star Trek universe one episode at a time. Hello, I'm Michael, aka the Trek Lad, and joining me as ever is the super awesome Commodore himself, Mr. Dan Decker. Hey Dan, how you doing? Pretty good, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's uh, it's been a while. It has been a while. How uh, you want to know how long it's been? How? <laughs> no, God. How long has it been, Commodore? It's been one week since you talked to me about Star Trek and told me that I'm crazy for watching a thousand episodes with you on Tuta de Nagra. I love you. <laughs> that's, that's all i can say that's all i can say uh you know i you know when we when we got started with this the whole idea was that we were gonna watch 800 plus episodes of star trek i thought you were mad you were the one that came up with the idea and forced me onto this journey to tanagra um but we're, we're doing it baby and um you haven't disappointed so far with those song selections I appreciate that. And, you know, as far as like being held to this trip uh, to Tanagra, uh, uh, Herpika Highness will be happy to know that let's just say I'm making effective use of seatbelts to keep Michael in the co-captain's chair. <laughs> he won't let me go. I'm strapped in. <laughs> I'm strapped in from all sides. You know, when you get in a car and you put a seatbelt on and that's it. Yeah. I've got 14 seatbelts strapped around me. There's no way I can go. It's like when Leonardo DiCaprio wakes up in the Wolf of Wall Street and he's on that plane and he's gone mental the night before and I can't move. And, you know, keeping me sane is Dan Decker just stroking my head, just going, go to sleep. It's going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm pleased, though. I mean, yes, it's been a bit too long. We've taken a break for a reason. We've been retooling the show uh as you heard in the last episode we attempted to watch the episode together and while it was fun i think dan you'll probably agree as well that i don't think it lent itself to the best podcast that we've done it was a neat experiment (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of fun no it was a lot of fun uh but it might not be the best format for a couple of gents who have obvious uh add attention issues uh and love star trek a lot so <laughs> a more structured format is definitely our forte. Uh, and so, as Michael mentioned, we put into port. We brought the good, uh, the good SS Tanagra into port. Uh, we went through all the ODN conduits, took out some of the bio gel packs uh, that had slight infection. Uh, and I think we're ready to uh, get back to uh, warp 4.5 uh, on the good Starship Enterprise. I am supremely confident, actually, with this new format. I think that we have uh, broken the ice. And and I know, I'm, I'm trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny. You did. It's, you it's did. Not, that was not, very well done. Very well done. It's not landing very well. But look, um, the idea is that I think that we have perfected, uh, we've perfected the formula. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for you, if you're joining for the first time, welcome, first of all. Um, there's, the whole point of Tutanagra is that we are going through Star Trek from start to finish, whenever that end is, hopefully never. Uh, but we're starting at the beginning. We're, we're working our way through the early episodes of Enterprise. We're in season one, uh, episode eight or seven, depending on if you, if you include include uh broken bow as one or two episodes uh i think we're calling it seven aren't we we call netflix seven? calls yeah. it seven so i think for consistency with the watch along crowd uh that we might talk about uh near the end of the episode but if you wanted to watch along and kind of keep up with us 
follow Netflix's uh, episode ordering uh, for Enterprise, and that lines up with the episode numbers of the show for Tutu Tanagra, um, and that'll help keep you in sync. Plus, it's the uh, method by which uh, the good Trek lad here uses for the Netflix watch parties, which are baller if you've not been on one. Come have some really good fun. Uh, well, you wear your adult britches though, because it gets a little blue. Uh, but um, yeah, if you want to keep up with how we're keeping up, we're on episode seven uh, uh, per Netflix's ordering, uh, and so that puts us on breaking the ice. How does um, the episode sequence work on CBS All Access? Is it the same? Uh, this was episode cap- eight on CBS right, All Access. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I think we're going to have to do this every time we talk about it. So it's going to be episode seven Netflix, episode eight on CBS All Access, just right. for um, just for everybody, you know, on both sides of the pond. Well, we um, have it on but- Netflix here too. So you, we have it on every streaming platform in the U.S. You can watch it on Hulu, watch it on Netflix, you can watch it on Amazon Prime, or if you pay for it. You can watch it on CBS All Access. It's that's interesting. It's everywhere. So like, us, there's like everywhere. no exclusivity at all. Uh, well, uh, except for the new Trek, the newer, the modern Trek shows are on CBS All Access exclusively. So for Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, that's only uh, the next 23 weeks of Star Trek we're about to get is all CBS All Access. It seems like CBS are just kind of whoring out um, Star Trek to any and all streaming services. But it'll be interesting when you know not getting too into it but from my understanding cbs is looking to rebrand and is looking to get very serious about uh themselves as a streaming platform you'd think that Mm -hmm. they probably want their golden goose to be an exclusive to that platform right Mm -hmm. um and you know but i think that would cause such a ruckus uh here in the states that people would put people would riot but who knows how long those rights um you know those rights uh, are extended uh, and we'll mm. see how it goes. It's just exciting time to be a fan uh, right now with all the new stuff that's come along. Um, you know, uh, there's a potential for Lower Decks to get my oldest son into Trek for the first time because it's the Rick and Morty guys. And he raised both of his eyebrows uh, when I pointed <laughs> that out. So, um, you know, lots to look forward to. Um, and, and you know, we will uh, we will have a, a lot of Star Trek happening while we're trying to get all the way to Tanagra. <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's going to be crazy. So many detours because, I mean, we, we've got it. I mean, was it 23 straight weeks of Star Trek? Yep. Um, truthfully, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's. I like the idea of Star Trek being an event show, something mm-hmm. that you have to look forward to, and 23 weeks seems mental. But I'm not complaining because you and I right. have lived through, we've we've lived through the, the ages the where drought. we've not had any Star Trek. Yeah, drought for like nine yeah. years. Into darkness, like you might say. We lived into darkness. Oh, eh. Boom. Um, but, but look, um, let's... Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Uh, before let's break we do, the actually, ice, shall we? Let's break. Let's break the ice. But before we do, uh, let's get the pl- let's get the plugs out of the way. Let's get the plugs out of the way. Um, I did something before. I did something before we started talking here. I actually recorded myself watching the episode um, all the way through from start to finish while I was making my really rubbish show notes. And uh, that is going to be a Patreon exclusive on the Treklad Patreon. Now, I told Dan about this before we came on air, and I could literally just see his eyes light up. So I think going forward, what we're going to have is Treklad Patreon you are going to be able to unlock watching that episode with me, laughing as I mispronounce stuff and get things wrong, and basically just laughing at a guy that isn't, you know, quote-unquote, not a real Star Trek fan. Um, Dan, you're going to be doing something similar, aren't you? 
Absolutely. Yeah. As Michael uh, pointed out, uh, and if you were unaware, dear listeners, um, uh, I also have a Patreon. Uh, we'll make sure the links are in the show notes uh, so that it's easy because speaking out URLs is just garbage. Uh, but um, uh, if you want my side of the commentary uh, as we watch and uh, as we watch live, um, then you can uh, hit me up on my Patreon. I'll make it available at the fan level, which is the easiest way to get connected to me. And that will also unlock access to uh, the, the uh, Wednesday before release of my other podcast, uh, Bad Choices in Bourbon. So um, a great way to engage uh, with us as your co-captains on this trip. Um, and a lot of fun because I think uh, if you if you'll hear last week's experiment episode, we have a lot of fun watching Star Trek, whether we're together <laughs> or alone. Um, and just know that whatever commentary you heard uh, about the Andorian incident, that's the running tra- soundtrack in my head anyway. So that's what you're in for, folks. Um, I mean, it is bargain basement uh, uh, quality content. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's my USP. That's my yeah. USP. Just yeah. degrade Star Trek content. But the thing is, is I'm having a blast and. And if you it's want to join us, degrade content. Absolutely. If you want to join us on that journey, please feel free to do so. Right, Dan, plugs yeah. over. Let's let's yeah. get into this episode seven on Netflix, episode eight on CBS All Access, Enterprise season one, breaking the ice, uh, double entendre because it means two things. We're going to get into that. Um, let's first of all let's 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 start with with our initial thoughts. Um, Commodore, what did you think of the episode? Overall, I like this episode. Um, I've watched it a lot recently, and I haven't grown tired of it. Um, and I've kind of picked up on nuances uh, even more so along the way. So overall, um, I'm going to give this, uh, you know, I'm going to give this a, a, like a, a warp four out of four point five possible uh, top end speed on the Enterprise. There, it's a pretty good, solid episode with a lot of character development um, and things like that, and some really fun beats um that we'll get into with my good with my good friend malcolm yes we will get there but uh, well the, here's an intro okay so we didn't discuss this at all is that the enterprise scoring system now is it just out of 4.5 i think that yeah well you know that's it's that's a, i mean it's a warp 5 engine but it only goes 4.5 right so you know i mean when we get into just madness here we might as well dive all the way into madness As you can tell, dear listeners, we're making this shit up as we go. We've just we've just added a new review score system. I dig that though. I dig that. Yeah, just to make it oddball too, because you know the ship can only go to four point five. Let's let's be real here. You got to keep it in canon, as we all know. You shall not deviate from canon. Got to keep the cannon. Got to keep the cannon police happy. Um, cool. Well, do, do you know what I? I found, and we are going to deep dive into this a little bit more. We're not going to go super in depth. Just to say, uh, you know, twelve minutes into this episode, if you are here for valuable insight that you can't get anywhere else, uh, you're in the wrong place. If you yeah. want to go and listen, there are some amazing Star Trek podcasts out there that will make you see the the Star Trek universe in a different light. And uh, there are too many that I can. Too many that spring to mind to mention on air i'm sure dan feels the same way too but there Mm -hmm. are some real amazing podcasts out there this is as dan said a plus d grade content but it's just (laughs) two guys two guys who are vibing on star trek we watch it together we enjoy it and we're going to talk about it but we're also going to talk about how maybe some of the events of the episode kind of pertain to our lives because that's the whole point we're on this journey together and uh, and we're going to share some stuff but in terms of how i felt about breaking the ice um i really I like re. I cannot stress this enough. Really enjoy this episode. It's probably my favorite yes. episode of 
all of them so far. Uh, and it is a gem that no one talks about when they're talking about Star Trek Enterprise Season 1. Um, I really like it uh, for a number of reasons. We'll get into it, but it's just a nice, low-key episode that has some huge repercussions for the direction of the show, for characters' relationships. For one character in particular, it's a huge episode. Um, but but let's, let's get into it. In terms of how I would star it, out of uh, four and a half, I would probably give this a four as well. I really rate this show. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, written by husband and wife team Maria and Andre Jackie Jacquemeton. There you go. I can't can't <laughs> pronounce it at all. Jacquemeton. There we go. I'm being perfect. And uh, directed by Terry Wendell. I've never. Yeah, but those pe- those are the people that brought it to us. There are some amazing moments in it. Let's talk about one thing first, right, Dan? Um, how delicious does that pecan pie look? Uh, so I'm not a fan, even as a <gasps> southerner, I know, right? I haven't enjoyed <sighs> pecan pie since I was a child. Uh, around that holiday celebration, I prefer pumpkin pie. Uh, but yeah, it. I mean, I empathize with Tripp's appreciation for that pie because were it me and were it a piece of pumpkin pie, I would feel exactly the same way. Uh, and and I have had a from scratch, scraped out of the pumpkin, homemade pumpkin pie before, and it is delicious. So Chef uh, Will, if Chef Will Riker went through the trouble to make that pecan <laughs> pie uh, for for Trip, then I appreciate Trip's love of that pie so much. And I would just like to note, this is one of many uh, our first instances of food yet again in Enterprise. <laughs> I actually wrote that down. Um, I wrote down here in my notes, uh, food in Enterprise, Dan always mentions this, and I've never noticed it before. I did not know how many times there is, is there are food references in Enterprise. I think it's five times in this episode, at least. It's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. But but there's there's other stuff in this as well that I just I really like. I mean the the one reason. I mean I have many reasons why I like this episode, but the the idea of the crew still being so excited about exploring space it's mm-hmm. adorable um and um <laughs> you know it, it does wear off as the show goes on as, as we mentioned a few times um but the idea of being so excited about seeing a bloody comet in space mm-hmm. is great because you know in in tng era no one gives a crap no one no one cares at all i mean they might go and study something but it's all very routine these guys come across the comet they call it arches comet and they're <laughs> wide-eyed and they're so excited to be there and it's just it's quite infectious it I is find. it's very wholesome and uh, yeah. travis is he doesn't miss a beat archer's comet just like oh man i'm part of this amazing thing and you know archer's <laughs> all like biggest comet anyone's ever seen as far as i know you know he's got big comet energy swinging uh he's real happy about it check out the tail on that bad boy you know what i'm saying <laughs> And then, and then we, you know, we find out it's got some super rare mineral that the Vulcans would be jealous of. Fuck yeah, we're going after that comet now. Uh, it just any any opportunity to get one over the Vulcans is, oh, uh, you know, I, I mean, and, and that's that's something that we'll we'll get into. But the idea of us versus them definitely is still a thing with with uh, with the Vulcans, and I think they mention that before the Vulcans even turn up. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That they're like, oh, cool, we're gonna have an opportunity to extract some minerals and do some study. And oh, I don't think the Vulcans have come across anything this big. And oh, we've got one over them. And you can literally hear to Paul roll her eyes yeah. across the. 
bridge. Like yep. she's like, oh, she had to go pick him up uh, from the from the starboard side. She was she, they rolled all the way over by Malcolm. <laughs> but uh, but Archer is so he still has that axe to grind. He is still so mad about the way they held his dad back and the fact that they're just now we're just now getting out here. And he's like, finally, I can. <laughs> You know. Which, which, you know, which kind of makes sense because you know we're what we're episode eight or, or seven, depending again, depending on what you're looking at. But we're we're you know we're, we're progressing through this show, you know, and usually I, I find, and I think this is kind of like the in-universe rule that one season of Star Trek it roughly equals a year. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Voyager Voyager season one and two is more like ten months or something like that, but it's usually one season equals a year. So um, you know there there are a few months into space. Um, Archer probably hasn't been dealing with the Vulcans as much, but there again to to also throw uh, another ice joke in there. There there's still this simmering, you know, you know, there's this there's this dislike under the surface, under the ice still. And yep. you, every time the Vulcans are involved, um, I mean, it's funny that this episode follows the Andorian incident because Archer's dislike of Vulcans didn't shine through as much. He was more kind of like. Oh, this, these Vulcans aren't very talky and just kind of like, you know, low-key mocking them. Um, but right. here, his contempt is kind of more obvious. It's, it's shining mm-hmm. through again. I mean, you're going to get that, I guess, with different writers coming in. You're going to have that variance. Um, because I guess they're reading a Bible that basically says, Season 1, Archer doesn't like Vulcans. So they're, they're obviously writing it like <laughs> that's that. The, that's the thing. All season long, Archer doesn't like the Vulcans. <laughs> Archer, yeah. Archer is a member of the I Don't Like Vulcans fan club. Charlie um, member. But I, I really just like the, the wide-eyed optimism. Um, I mean, this is one of the things that I found when I was re-watching Enterprise uh, about a year ago when I when I last watched it through. Um, I used to rag on seasons one and two of Enterprise mm-hmm. um, because of the perceived lower quality of writing. And and there are some... You know, <laughs> Dan, we've, we've, we've covered been a couple through, of humdingers we've, already, we've, bro. Absolutely. We've, we've covered we a few to already. Over, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we you brought there, it up bro. again, triggered. We went, we um, but um, you know there is some good stuff, and and the thing that I noticed, and and the thing, one of the reasons why I love this episode so much is they are so excited to be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and when it. he's like, "Hey, everyone! If you haven't seen already, why don't you head on over out and look out the window at the fancy comet we found?" You know, and yeah. uh, they're just so excited about it, but. This all happens in the teaser, and the teaser is not very long. Um, so we get a very dense amount of, 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 of exposed, exposition and setup. Um, you know, we know pretty well straight away where we're headed out of this episode. But the only way we can get anywhere, Michael, in Enterprise is, is if we have faith of the heart. <laughs> Going where our heart will take us. And CBS All Access does not give you the skip intro button because they are not monsters. Really? So CBS All Access does not have a skip intro? No. Oh. I know. Those beautiful people. See, the thing is, right, is, is going a little bit off tangent, right? I think if you skip the intro, you're a monster. Okay. Yeah. Now we're yeah. not watching Supernatural here. You know, you right. can skip that, right? Yeah. We're not watching Lost, which doesn't actually have like really anything other than the intro title. And it's like, <laughs> or whatever, whatever it is for Lost, anyway. Um, but um, that was terrible, wasn't it? Um, it was but but Enterprise, right? So Star Trek opening credits are pieces of art, and they are. 
paramount, huh? Paramount oh, oh, to the, to the experience of watching something. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's like so. I mean, this is probably I'm probably in the minority here. But if I'm watching a film, right? I'm watching a film. I'd say I'm watching a Scorsese movie. Okay, uh, keeping on with the Wolf of Wall Street theme. I may have watched that recently. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I I get to the end of a movie. I, I'm one of those few people, one of those weird weirdos probably, that actually sticks around and, and watches the end credits. One, because yeah. the music's usually rad. And yeah. two, I like to just pay tribute to the people that make the show, you know, yeah. or, or, or the movie. Um, and I don't know, I, I just consider the whole movie to be an inexperience. And um, I remember when Scorsese had The Irishman loaded into Netflix, that one of his things that he said you cannot do is you cannot cut the credits. You know, because you know what Netflix does. Is yes. It's like, oh, I'm, do you want to play something else? Because they want to keep people watching for as long as possible. But Scorsese said, no. I, I I find it very important that you need to pay respect to the people that helped me make this film. That's amazing. Um, you know, don't 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 you know cut the cut the credits um but for me star trek uh, you know whether it's the original series or voyager or, or enterprise um i will never skip the opening credits i've got good friends that skip the opening credits and i always give them that sideways look i give them the topol looking at trip after she finds out he she, he's been in her diary or intercepted right, her messages. that look um yeah i gi- i give them that look uh bringing it back to breaking the ice because it's part of the experience i mean whether you love i mean if you really i mean i don't understand why anyone would hate the theme I don't understand because it's not. I mean, it's a very. Van- <laughs> if anything, it's a vanilla song. It's just yeah, a. Yeah. It's a vanilla song. Um, could you hate it's, vanilla that much? No, I just think that the that combined with the imagery, combined with the spirit of the show, it it's is a it. sum more than all the whole of its parts. Right? It, it's yeah. Uh, it's the perfect storm. Pardon the overused cliche of what it is to be Star Trek. You know, everything about that is inspiring and and, and moves and should move your heart besides if you skip intros like how do you know you get those wicked 3d titles in season five of star trek the next generation you know that's pure (laughs) 90s greatness right there bro Good, good point, good point. You know, I, I saw on Twitter uh, someone say, you know, but I've watched the show and I've been a fan for 50 years, so I've, I've earned the right to skip. That just seems weird to me. (laughs) It seems weird. I mean, if if I've been a fan for 50 years, surely I'm going to want to watch the titles more. You know, as, uh, as our friend Trekker Prize might might uh, opine, why would you cut the corners off your warm blanket? Exactly, <sighs> exactly. Shout out to Trekker Prize, by the way. Yeah, bro. Um, warm blanket. What a show. What a show. So yeah, much better man. than this. <laughs> <laughs> That's speaking of better Star Trek content. <laughs> right. So, so we've gotten through the the intro. You know, we we've literally spent most of the episode talking about the intro. Um, there, there are some. I mean, let's let's get straight into this, Dan, because this is this is probably one of the most wholesome scenes in the history of Star Trek. And um, you know, we, we've got to talk about it at length. And it's um, yeah. it's the Archer to talking kids? to Miss Miss Mal Malvin's Malvin's class from from <laughs> County Clare Island. So shout out to uh, the likes of uh, Hen in a Hat, Sean Ferrick, uh, the Trek Collector. Um, I f- can't forget, can't Irish forget the Irish Trek. Oh, I can't Damien. forget the Irish Trek. Oh, so excited! Yeah. Damien's working on something for me. I'm so excited. Oh, we can't. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Da- Just something's working so- on. Shout out to all of our oh to Albert Hogan as well. Yeah, all yeah, of these oh. wonderful Irish Trekkies. Uh, and uh, if and we Albert didn't mention Hogan you, my patrons. 
if if we if we didn't mention you, we do love you. Yeah. Um, but I I love the fact that this this is one of my favourite scenes. Um, and and I've got lots of notes. <laughs> We're not going to go for them all. <laughs> We're not going to go for. I've got in capital letters cute. Cute yes, scene. Super. Uh-huh. Um, and you know we've we've got poop questions. We've got flocks being literally dad and teacher goals. But yep. the one thing that I wanted to mention <laughs> is um, the the thing that I find really interesting is Archer being as nervous as he is now. Oh, he is so out of his element, but he is so yeah. excited. Well, so here's the thing, right? I mean, it, it comes from I think that wide-eyed optimism again and their happiness to be where they are and doing what they do but at this point you know we're a number of episodes in and archer has already dealt with a number of issues he's had uh, he's been dealing with a lot of conflict he's had some very tense situations and uh, has dealt with it in typical star trek captain fashion but then the idea of talking to a bunch of kids he's like stuttering and mispronouncing and yep. nervous energy and i found it fascinating what i think too is that you know in that moment, man, Scott Bakula is so great. Archer gets, as a character through Scott Bakula, gets a lot of crap, I think, that's undeserved. Uh, I think there's just nuance that folks don't appreciate in the way he plays Archer, especially in the first season where he's a little more, you know, gritty. Uh, but here he's, he is that fourth grade class. He's every kid in that class because he was fourth grade kid one time. And he remembers the awe and wonder. And he's, he's living that dream that he had when he was in fourth grade in that moment talking to fourth graders who will be the next generation who take, you know, the starships we're more familiar with out in further into the galaxy. So he's kind of in that moment entirely, but I love how he just with flocks. First of all, I have, uh, well, we go <laughs> first, we talk about poop. Then we talk about flocks. <clears throat> so we get a poop joke, which is, I just think indicative of the writing in Star Trek at this time. <laughs> but poor Trip, you know, he's he's always got to answer the worst possible questions. He he complains of being perceived to be the sanitation engineer. <laughs> he doesn't want to be the guy who keeps the sewer running, right? And then he has to kind of get into the delicacy of explaining that s- some of the food is made of our poop. <laughs> <laughs> that pecan pie, that yeah. pecan pie is made from our poop. My poop, uh, but Flox is wholesome and pure, and more please, just fantastic. That's my note about Flox. Oh, just I mean, we'll, we'll get into Flox. I I did want to say though that am I correct in I mean, and and listeners, if, if if you're listening and you can help us out here, if Dan can't help, then please by all means jump in on the conversation on Twitter. Um, is this the first outright mention of poop in Star Trek history? Con- canon, probably. Yeah. 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 Continuity, it, probably. Yeah. It just yeah. doesn't seem like something that they would mention in in any other show. They wouldn't be like nope. poop. Um, Still don't know exactly where the restroom itself is, but now we know what happens with the poop. <laughs> it's just I I I was sat there going, "Is this the first mention?" I mean, obviously, the I mentioned during my watch through that you know data goes oh shit in generation. Yeah. So obviously yeah. that that word exists, um, yeah. but it's a completely different meaning. In, in that situation. Um, but them just outright talking about poo um, yeah. is, I, from to my knowledge, my very limited knowledge, my uh, D-quality knowledge, is, is the first time 
um, poop gets a, an outright mention in, in Star Trek. And we've already talked about poop more than we probably should for a Star Trek podcast. I will say this, though, is uh, it kind of gives new meaning to the to the moment, to the visual of Trip opening up the... Um, uh, the mm-hmm. chef in, in and sniffing the people. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he's double checking that there yeah, isn't yeah. Uh, any residual little, poop in uh, in his odoriferous offense. <laughs> I I honestly, it's it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, um, flocks. Uh, what what can we say about flocks that we haven't said already? Um, I I did. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I I love Archer the bits. Uh, I don't understand why he does get hate. I think he's brilliant, and uh, I'm Scott Bakula fanboy until the day I die. Um, mm-hmm. But a bit mm-hmm. rude. A bit rude from Archer, just cutting him off like that. Um, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I don't I don't understand. I mean, he was dropping some knowledge on those Irish kids and uh, you know and and doing it in the best way. And I've got here in notes in capital letters. God, I wish Flox was my science teacher when I was a kid. Sure. Oh um, my gosh. I mean, I would literally probably be like a, a major in biology in or chemistry or something. I have to yeah, tell I... you. I got to tell you a story real quick about my ninth grade science teacher. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. His name was Mr. Conine. And he had a ponytail and a beard. He looked a little like George Carlin, <laughs> only more gray hair. Did he wear and like a did he wear like a Grateful Dead t shirt the weekend or something? No, but he dressed very he dressed very, you know, uh, business casual for school at the time. But he spoke <laughs> in this real even tone and his you know, his name was George Conine and he spoke in this real even tone and um, his his retirement goal was to to go off and live in the woods in a cabin and just be up there and be peaceful amongst himself. But anytime someone acted out of hand uh, in class, he would call them down, but he'd say, now listen, Daniel, um, um, you're being disruptive, and I want you to understand, though, that you are you are unique and special, um, and I'm not attacking you. I, I'm attacking your attitude right now, so let's change that so that I can appreciate you. <laughs> and what just, a badass. Right? I know, right? <laughs> you're not going to fuck so, with that teacher. Yeah, right? You know, he just, he would call you into, just, just come on, let's bring it down, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very flocks vibe i get a flocks vibe out of that from uh uh mr conan vibe out of flocks i guess i should say uh when it comes to teaching the kids he just gets so excited about bacteria i always find that the best teachers though are the ones that when people are misbehaving they don't really just start shouting they they remain friendly and they're the ones that you got that worry about because they kind of kill you with a bit of kindness and uh you know when when you've when you've behaved misbehaved or something you know they're, they're kind of like you know i'm, I'm not i'm not mad i'm not angry i'm just disappointed and they're, yep. they're still smiling at you and you're like ah Ouch. Gotta change my gotta change my attitude there. For sure, um, for sure. And and yeah, and you wouldn't flocks, want to disappoint flocks. I don't think anyone would misbehave in a flocks class. No, not at all. Not at all. No, for sure, for sure. You know, but not especially, especially not when given the fact that Denobulans have such open marriages. You know, and maybe one of <laughs> maybe one of flocks' wives comes in for a lesson. You're all hormonal teenagers, and you're like, wait, hang on a second. If I play my cards correctly, he might let me marry her. Or him if his That's husband brilliant. walks in. There That's you go. Brilliant. So, so you, you're going to want to behave yourself because you might yeah. be able to enter the Phloxdenobulan family. That'd be pretty legit. That would be pretty yeah. legit. Yeah, and you know, if you mess around and you, you misbehave, you are not entering the family, son. Well, that though, you know, he cuts Phlox off and then he cuts the... We cut to, I think this is the end of Act 1. 
right? We go to quote a commercial break. Is that right? Because Ar- Archer is super excited with this with this comedy. He's got he's got more of his big comedy energy. He's ready to go. Uh, he tells the kids, "Hey, I'd love to keep talking to you, but we got to go explore stuff." And we're about to check out this comedy. So proud of it. And he tells them, "This is where he tells them it's the biggest comet anyone's ever seen, including the Vulcans." <laughs> always, always finding the opportunity to uh, to have a go at the a little sly, subtle dig at the Vulcans. But one one thing that I do want to say to to wrap up this scene though is. I mean, I love it. I love it so much. It, it, to me, this is them doing prequel stuff right yeah. um, because they are the first to be out there. They're the first to do it. They're seeing these comments. They're getting excited, and the ability to communicate from deep space back home probably isn't as good as it gets. It definitely, it definitely isn't as good as it gets because I think they're still laying. Um, Boy, uh, buoys and things like that for, right. for communication and we do get that uh, later on in the season um, but the idea of the excitement being reflected back from Earth as well these kids being so excited um, you know you know, this is something that still happens now. You know, when when NASA astronauts go to space, you always see this kind of stuff, and especially with Twitter becoming, you know, the the thing that it is, and, and seeing astronauts interact um, with kids and, and just with people, like like how they do in this show. Um, I really like it. Um, the nervous energy, um, you know, of, of speaking to these kids, I just find it to be really really cute. Um, you know, <laughs> if, 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 very very interesting. Um, the, it's the wholesome. Question, it's just wholesome. It's just fun, and and it kind of grounds the show. You know, you're you're watching a show that that could it could be. It's very very tangible. It this really could happen. Um, and we we've, we've discussed this in previous episodes. The idea of of Enterprise being probably the most tangible show we we can reach out and pretty almost kind of touch it looking mm-hmm. at the technology that they use looking at the the attitudes and the people um and uh this this scene in particular just feels very you know it's a written scene and it just kind of plays really organically really really nicely and yeah uh, really genuine such, and honestly you know for this this scene is one of my favorite things in the whole show so far i love yeah. it Yep. I don't know if you. T- I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> no, I could. I could just say ditto at this point, and um, you know, echo everything you've said so far uh, as the as my same feelings about that because it, it just it feels like you said. You know, you can you, we we can relate to that uh, on uh, a real level right now with the way you know people from the ISS can communicate to students and conduct experiments and hold class even. Uh, from from above orbit and you know it's very similar in this regard um, so yeah it's a tangible thing like you said and yeah. uh, I mean I, I I was grinning from ear to ear literally <laughs> flock style like <laughs> optimism captain absolutely oh that's so great super happy <laughs> um let's uh, let's talk about some other stuff because there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode surprisingly oh, you know for an episode that we described as being low-key you know there's a lot of things so so things that we haven't spoken about the vulcans turn up and uh you know archer starts you know he starts getting his back up um because the vulcans express very little interest mm-hmm. uh in them you know we have that really really awkward uh dining scene um but we, we've also we've skipped skip this um to paul's message being intercepted i now here's where i start nitpicking a little bit because some yeah. of the some of the storytelling choices here don't make mm-hmm. sense to me and i'll be interested to get your thoughts well i don't i'm not 
the whole idea of reading someone's message is um i mean it kind of it's kind of understandable if they come across um a an encoded vulcan message right now them not trusting the vulcans entirely they're probably going to read it and um you know some the thing that doesn't really make sense to me is why would trip intercept this message why wouldn't hoshi the ship's communications officer essentially the head of all incoming and outgoing transmissions to and from the ship why doesn't she intercept it first very very strange obviously she's then um you know it's delegated you know she, the work's delegated to her to, for her to ungarble and uh, work out what the transmission is right um but but then she feeds that back to trip which again makes kind of sense given the fact that trip outranks her but surely hoshi would have intercepted this message first right am i missing something well you know trip says that he was going through power usage logs and he noticed a spike in a transceiver relay or uh, array and so i don't know you know if hoshi would you would have had to be manning her station uh in order to see something like that happen um and of course whoever else would be there beside her wouldn't be as dedicated so i could see where trip would want to say hey you know why this uh, array of yours is using a little more juice uh, than typical? So I can see the setup for it, uh, but I can imagine that if she were on shift, she would have caught it. But you know, given her the guess, benefit yeah. of the doubt there, I mean, that could be that could be it. It could be that something would have this message would have you know. Uh, landed on the ship when somebody else was on duty but surely essentially her being a senior officer she is probably the head of comms on the ship so that the people would report to her even though she's an ensign she's still right. a senior member of the crew exactly um and i'm just kind of like you, you know you can't just sneak a message onto a ship into a log system i mean again it is a sci-fi show so we i guess we have to try and just kind of let some of these things slip but if i was to send a message to your phone right now i can't just sneak it in the back end i can't just, <laughs> just you know i can't just put it i can't just put it in your photos or something right, like that right. you know <laughs> if i send it. if i send you a message um you're gonna your phone's gonna ping something is gonna ping so you would think that the message would make some sort of noise as it landed on the ship um but th that's just my that's my very simpleton mind trying to make sense of all that i found it very very interesting um but obviously we get the dilemma because they do read the message the message turns out to be um something that as as we found out earlier in earlier scenes was troubling to paul the mystery was you know, what is it um and then we kind of find out through conversation that it's um it's details of of T'Pol's arranged marriage to Koss. Now I've got here in notes, um, very, you know, very interesting because, and again, I mean, I had to start thinking about previous Star Trek that we'd seen, and uh, and a question for you, Dan, as well is, you know, I think that they tackled the the idea of Vulcans having arranged marriages in a mock time, right? Um, but I don't think they'd episodes. ever. I, did they fully address it as being an arranged marriage? They did, but not in the detail we get through, the, you know, to Paul, um, you know, in the sense of cultural um, uh, adherence and support. Uh, and also, of course, you know, a mock time was framed in the, uh, um, around Ponfar. So, um, you know, F F uh, Spock had to go there to versus die. Uh, and to Paul is just being, you know, reminded that, you know, we got a wedding in a week by the way 
it's it's very interesting because I'm going to try and take this from I'll look at this from my perspective, then we'll look at it from a humanist perspective, like like Trek tries to do. And you know, the the first thing that's, that that stands to mind is, you know, uh, arranged marriages. Uh, it seems to be, you know, very anti-feminist in the, mm-hmm. you know, and especially the way they discuss it in the episode is mm-hmm. this is arranged by Koss's parents. The, so the so the boys' parents arrange it, and and the 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 daughter has very little say in who she's gonna um, be, you know, be marrying. Which, uh, you know, for an enlightened species, right? Um, you know, that's not quite enlightened, really, is it? It's very interesting. But from a humanist perspective, you know, looking at the way the Vulcans deal with things, given the fact that they go through the mating cycle once every seven years, right. um, and also the fact that they, as a society, have suppressed emotions, it must be very difficult because love is essentially, a, you know, it is an emotional state of being, isn't it? Right. Um, so... Looking at that from that perspective, I guess the arranged marriage is something that you would expect in a society like that that suppress their emotions, right? Well, you know, because I guess you would have to have that that guarantee that there will be an eventual opportunity because, um, you know, if you think about it out out loud, the Ponfar is probably um, the culmination of that suppression of emotion, especially love, um, and then to a point of it can no longer be ignored. Uh, you know, uh, and it just becomes this overwhelming urge to, um, do what, ought, uh, what needs to be done there. Um, but yeah, this whole, this whole, oh, the whole thing surrounding the, it boils down to on both sides, clear communication will solve a lot of this. And it's frustrating from both, from my perspective, for both Archer and to Paul and even Trip now, although, uh, this does set up where we get eventually our long-term spoiler alert uh, trip into Paul relationship. Uh, he even says, this is the first time I've ever been in your quarters, you know? Uh, and I'm like, get comfy, buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, like literally, you don't get Sexy comfy, times. Buddy. Yeah, sexy time. Uh, but, um, you know, the the level of distrust between Archer and Paul still even after she's continuously proven that she's there to support him, that her take on the situation should probably be uh, adhered to. um, And that, you know, she's not exactly the biggest fan of Vulcans either at this point, especially, uh, and even this early. Uh, But the whole thing could have been avoided uh, if they had just talked to each other. But I feel like too, that, you know, they engage in a pretty, uh, strong gaslighting, um, uh, you know, campaign against Paul to kind of make her feel like the total bad guy in all of this. Uh, even though, you know, she was trying to probably work through something uh, emotionally. I mean, it gave her a tension headache and she wasn't able to sleep for two days. Uh, so she well, was obviously struggling with this on a, on a personal level that she wasn't quite comfortable with yet. Here's some other interesting things uh, here is uh, to pulse headaches. Um, now, Vulcans being more technologically advanced than humans by you know a couple of hundred years um, bring some interesting things like, and I am nitpicking because I like to do it every now and again. Let me have a couple per episode. But Paul goes to Phlox and says that she's you know experiencing some headaches, having a tension headache. Um, but um, in TNG, the battle, oh, yeah, brother, Picard is. He's complaining about headaches, and Crusher goes, "We eliminated this, you know, uh, decades ago." You know, so it, it, it kind of it's strange that Vulcans would still be having headaches. But I, I guess I'm I'm just nitpicking at this point. That's well, but that's uh, what we're here for. You know, um, it's a long trip to Tanagra. 
And so, you know, we, we got to get to the details, brother. We got to find the, um, you know, it, it, it's like, a you know, you call it a nitpick. That's what it is. There used to be books uh, in the 80s and 90s, The Nitpicker's Guide to Trek. And it made it fun to pick the pieces of continuity that just didn't quite thread together and um, things like that where uh, you want to get to the to the nitty gritty details of where, um, you know, oh, we, 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 learn, we know you've cured headaches. Why are we dealing with this? Um, but it's okay. It, it shows a level of understanding and depth of love for the franchise. I think that, um, you know, we shouldn't be judged for being refined in our critiques. Yes. I, I just like nitpicking every now and again. Me too. You know, I do too. It's, you, fun. You guys, it's fun. Uh, you guys know me. I'm mostly positive, but every now and again, something will come up and I'll be like, Hey, I have the opportunity to flex my smart ass muscles. Cause it doesn't happen yeah. very often. That's right. So, uh, so I'll go, Hey, that reminds me of that TNG episode, that one time, that one scene. Uh, but look, anyway, <laughs> I, dig- I digress. Um, other things like, you know, you kind of mentioned the whole, you know, gaslighting and all that kind of stuff. I don't really know if I see it like that because the, the thing is, is, to Paul's argument as to why the message was uh, encrypted was that it would take longer to send yeah. it via... And I'm like, that makes uh, no sense. You had no. to code that message and you had to sneak it in somehow. Send it via... I mean, here's, here's the thing. Vulcans at this point are still very withdrawn. They're not going to speak about their feelings. She's serving on a ship full of humans... Um, smelly and humans. it kind of smelly it's disgusting sick humans um you know it kind of makes sense that she would do it but her reasoning it would it would take longer to send uh, via yeah, the official clear i'm just like i'm just it's not logical i'm just like yeah. um so i can kind of see where archer and, and trip were coming from you know and if, if they're if they're going to come across a message given everything that they've um encountered with the Sulaban, with the andorians you know if, if they found a rogue alien message in their system they're going to go I'm gonna check that out. So it's interesting. I see it from both. I see it from both ways. Was it was it a good? Was it a nice thing for them to essentially read her diary? No, no. no. But the thing is, is what I do like though, and and this is this is going a long way to breaking the ice. There we go. Yeah, I'm ah, saying it. Um, is is I think Trip does the right thing. He goes to her on the bridge and basically yeah. publicly says, look, I, uh, I'm really sorry, but we came across this message and uh, I read it and she's not happy with him. No. Clearly given, given the look in her no. eye. Um, but at the same time, yeah. But, but she's, he still, you know, went and, and did the right thing and came out and said it. Uh, and that obviously led to her inviting him into the quarters, breaking the ice. And, you know, as, as the episode progresses and we'll get to the final shot um, soon, but, um, you know, it, I think it goes a long way and the seeds are being planted for some really special yes. stuff between these two characters. Yes. Yes. But you said breaking the ice and I, you know, we have to circle back because that whole that whole thread is is very deep and interpersonal and and full of character development, but you know we got to bring it back to a lighter tone just for a moment and discuss what uh, what's happening on on our comet, because yes. our favorite tactical officer Michael he finally gets to <laughs> set some charges, and he couldn't be more thrilled about it. Oh, I would have liked it if the symmetry was a bit better. Oh my god, it's so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> of course he wants the symmetry to be better. Oh, it's so great. He's such a kid about it. And this is when Malcolm is still fun before they turn him into a sour ass. 
but uh, you know, and 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 Hillman, uh, uh, Travis, they're having fun. Travis, like I've never seen snow before, and you know, they build that snowman, and then eventually it's a Vulcan snowman, and that's after they know the Vulcans are watching, and I, that's well, that, where that he does... sets the charges. Well, that, that, I mean, the thing is, is this is you know, they know the Vulcans are watching. And they put Vulcan ears on the snowman yes, and then blow him up. Yep. Quite aware, <laughs> quite aware of the fact that Vulcans have zero sense of humor. Uh-huh. You know, if all you need to do is go onto Twitter and type a fairly edgy joke and you will get people coming at you with, that's not funny, I'm offended, I'm going to block you and, and report you to the police. Now, imagine that times by 50 and in space with ships, surely the Vulcans were like, that's a declaration of war. Right. But nothing happens. Um, you know, Vanek doesn't even think... Vanek even saves them. <laughs> yeah, Vanek even yeah. saves them. Oh, and now, that's such a great moment, too. And again, playing into the title, um, you know, wearing Archer... Not wearing them down, but Archer finally coming to terms with, you know, hey, I have to be willing to... Um, you know, ex- you know, to Paul calls him out. She's like, you're going to let him die or you're going to let him help? Yeah, you know, because well, so, options so, right now. Well, here's here's the thing. Um, this is this is. I guess you could consider this to be the <laughs> other heart of the show. You've got Trip and Topol. Uh, you know, the ice is being broken there, but the, the the breaking of the ice also, you know, is this shattering of preconceived notions. Archer doesn't like Vulcans. Uh, you know, he thinks they're arrogant. Well, the 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 Vulcans think they're arrogant, and it's the idea of coming together. And you know. The shuttle is in trouble. Um, Reed and Mayweather are in danger. And the Enterprise Archer does not want the Vulcans to help. He wants to do this on his own. He doesn't want any help. This is this is, this is is years and years and years of pent-up frustration, generational frustration. Yes. He doesn't want their help. He's using the grappler, which we can see is, is not effective. It's not working. In fact, if anything, it makes the situation worse. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, you have to have to Paul have that conversation. And here's another thing, you know, it's not just to Paul and Trip where the ice is being broken. It's to Paul with the crew. They're starting to consider her a member of the crew. They're starting to they're starting to love her. They're starting to accept her as one of their own. It's taken a few episodes, but it's really, really happening. And, you know, Archer listens. He listens. He puts aside his ego. And he, you know, he accepts uh, Vanek's help. I will say one thing, just to quickly uh, digress for one second. This is also one of my favourite lines in all of Enterprise so far. If Vanek's the kind of guy who likes to watch, let him. That line is, that line is filthy. If you look at it from the different, from a different way, um, it is and I all love it so much. Entendre up on the Enterprise. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. you know the the thing that I've got here, my final note for this episode is the idea of working together, the idea of being stronger, working together, working with people that you might not necessarily get on with. That is the very core of Star Trek mm-hmm. and the essence of the Federation. Uh, you know, you and nailed it. S- seven eight episodes in no matter you know doesn't matter what you're calling it at this point we are seeing seeds being planted we're seeing the seeds yep. we've tripped into pole we're seeing the seeds of the shattering of archers you know bigotry if you want to call it that um and we are seeing the seed of the federation being planted in this episode yep absolutely um and that uh, that's uh i was gonna draw out that same point but you you got there uh for me 
And um, just to just to say, you know, point again how we're vibing uh, in this groove. Um, but I gotta I gotta ask now. I I didn't go back and get a real clear look, but when um, when Archer is when we're using when we're trying to get the grappler, we've got trip on the grappler mechanism on the grappler firing control right he's he's the one aiming and shooting because malcolm's setting charges uh so we can't have him shooting the grappler why is why is malcolm from boston by the way because <laughs> i'm american and i'm terrible he's at from charges charges gotta set some charges in harvard yards he's gotta set some charges charges Charges. 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 I gotta bring it down <laughs> in my nose a little. Anyhow, um, so he's not there to shoot the guns. No space fight, pew pew for him. He's already blowing stuff up. So Trip is on the trigger, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Archer is flying the ship. Yes. And did I see? Did I see a joystick? I think I saw oh, a joystick. Oh, dude. Right. So I, yeah. I was watching. This, I? I was watching the. Yes, I was watching the episode. Uh, again, if you want to go to Patreon and become a fan on Patreon, oh. go to patreon.com forward slash treklad and you can watch this episode with me. And I literally said in that episode, I said, uh, you know, it'd be really funny if he was... Uh, no, I um, I was calling back because it's a very similar um, setup to what you see in Insurrection. Yep. So the commanding officer pats the poor ensign uh, on the shoulder, yeah. you know, I don't know why the en- I don't know why the ensign couldn't do it. There seems like no. poor delegation to me. That ensign probably goes, gets in the turbo lift, starts crying because he's not wanted. Um, and then I literally said, "This reminds me of uh, Insurrection." Uh, just just minus the joystick. The next shot is a joystick, yep. and okay, uh, and it's so chrome fun. too, baby. Looks it's like crunched. it's got a, like a fire button on it. I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty jamming uh, joystick he's got going there. I would have I would have played a mini an hour of um, Top Gun on the Nintendo Entertainment System using a joystick like that. That's for sure. I think we see it a few times as well. I think we see it yeah. in. Um, I think we see it in uh, the Expanse when um, was it an L L two an L two yeah. when the ship yeah. basically yeah so they get on the joystick then and you also see it in um, season three Twilight when uh, what an episode that is oh so much Enterprise to look forward to when yeah. uh, T'Pol uh, rams uh, the Enterprise into one of the Zindi ships um, spoilers by the way if you've not yeah. reached that but um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah but so, I, so with the joystick it, it, and that's the beauty of this as a prequel but us watching it in in continuity order is that even though the joystick on the on the uh, Enterprise here is a retcon um, it's not <laughs> no no it's, it's not. the actual con yeah it's it's yeah. the canon it is the canon it's established um but but yeah so no i i I dig it i mean let's uh let's let's wrap this up mr uh let's wrap this up commodore um yes captain we both we both we both like this we both like this episode a lot yeah this Um, was uh, easy to talk about yeah i I, the only i don't like to end well i'm no i'm not gonna mention it yes i am um special effects in this episode were mostly great uh yes i made that same note the only yeah. thing that I've got here that kind of lets it down are those CGI cracks when they're on the comet, yeah. um, and they looked a bit they looked a bit shaky. But uh, other yes. than that, I really I really can't see a lot wrong with this episode. And the final shot, I love it. Um, to Paul sat there meditating, and it looks like she's going to take a bite out of that delicious, sweet, sweet pumpkin. <laughs> uh, not pumpkin, pecan pie. Um, and, um, you know, that's the first time that we see her contemplating eating human food. Yeah. She has previously, you know, demonstrated difficulty adjusting. Stick. She, you know, she has no interest in uh, eating human cuisine or anything.
anything like that. Um, and this is this is a big this is a big thing. It's really it's a great shot, um, and uh, you know it, it it this yeah this was a great this is a great season one um, offering for any Star Trek show, um, but especially considering what they wanted to be able to do with Enterprise, we get a lot of that with this uh with breaking the ice it's such a um you know i when i when i realized that you know i probably um getting ready for this i've probably seen it you know three four times just having it on just to say oh, it's a great place to let enterprise kick off for me you know uh, and then just let it play in the background and so when i sat down and, and made my notes today to get ready uh, to talk to you about it um one of the things is like I didn't get bored with it. I, I mean, I heard this dialogue and seen these images over and over again recently, and I, I was still um, able to engage and still, you know, with that intentionality to come away with a lot uh, and and an appreciation for it. But already, you know, not being like, oh my god, I have to watch it again. Oh god, you know, uh, I'm looking at you, Terra Nova. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's um, it is a great trek episode uh, and it does lay a lot of groundwork for things that pay off uh, and it shows yet again that you know when once you know really the only trek that wasn't closely uh, attended to uh was the original series and they've gotten better through the series and through the years um and, and as by the time we get to enterprise and what they're wanting to do with it they're paying attention to those little threads they're, they're starting the the they're, they're threading the the loom for the tapestry uh that you know when you take it in whole uh when we finally reach Tanagra, uh you're going to see this this you know this beautiful picture uh as we're about to find out with things like um you know the star trek universe initiative and uh, the star trek infinity initiative i think is what it's called uh, where they've made that really cool infinity symbol out of the delta um but, you know, you're going to see that uh, as we go through episode by episode and we hit the good ones like this, um, where they've built the foundation for the Federation and the foundation for the Prime Directive and the foundation for our relationships with all the other species that we uh, come to know and love throughout the history of Trek. So big fan of this one. Big fan. We're both big fans of this. And uh, yeah, highly recommended. I would probably put this in one of my essential enterprise uh, lists. And I think, Dan, what we need to do is we need to work on a uh, an essential uh, enterprise list. So anybody that wants to watch a compressed um, watch through of, of enterprise, uh, I would definitely put this on this list. Would you, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, this is good enterprise. This is good enterprise. There we this go. This is A plus A plus content. A plus A plus content. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, there you go. That's uh, that's Enterprise uh, Season 1, Episode 7 slash 8, depending on where you are, Breaking the Ice. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of Breaking the Ice? Let us know by connecting with us on Twitter. You can follow the show at 2TTanagra. Be sure to join us for next week's episode. It is Civilization, a.k.a. the episode where Scott Bakula gets it on. Uh, Dan, where can the good people find you, sir? Oh, you can find me as Commodore Decker on Twitter at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. And you can look for my commentaries uh, on uh, these episodes of 2TTanagra. Uh, as well as early access to the other uh, podcasts that I'm doing uh, at uh, patreon.com uh, forward slash D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. 
Amazing. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TrekLad. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to Tuta Tanagra on the platform you're listening to this on. And finally, if you are struggling with anything right now and you need someone to talk to, our DMs, both of us, are always open and the Star Trek fan community on Twitter will always have your back. So if you're feeling low for any reason, please consider reaching out and we got you. Take care of yourself. And until next time, from me, Michael, a.k.a. The Trek Lad. And myself, the Commodore, Dan Decker. Live long. Live long and prosper. And prosper. We kind of did it at the same time. Just, just, there we go. We'll see you next week. <laughs> next week, y'all. <laughs>